It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, as always, presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You guys know the deal. The promo code's podcast one for a 50% five zero sign up bonus. He is the number one ranked fantasy analyst on the planet. Planet Earth, you probably heard of it. We all kind of like it. Hopefully, we've been here for a while, or at least as long as we've been alive. Yeah, Joe Dolan, at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And as always, we will dive into the Thursday night games as well as the 1 p.m. Eastern time games here on episode one. Post it right away. Then right after midnight, you shall get... All of the Sunday late game, Sunday nighter, and the Monday nighter. A lot of buys, so make sure you are paying attention. All right, Joe, let's start with Thursday night. I'm really excited about this one, actually, for a lot of different reasons. It is the London, oh no, San Diego, oh no, still the LA Chargers at the Oakland Raiders. What a weird game, by the way. The one team is moving to Las Vegas next year. The other team this week has been rumored to be going to London, although their owner denied that. What do you got on this one, Joe? Well, you're burying the lead there, Ross. <laughs> denied that. Uh, used a few four-letter four words to do so. Uh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody will take Dean Spanos, uh, a noted, uh, noted uh, man of his word, at his word for this one. Uh, anyway, that's a, that's a separate podcast for us. I think you have one with Andrew Brandt for that one. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about um, the Chargers first and foremost. And I think one of the things that's really been letting people down recently, even though they finally got the backfield kind of figured out last week with with Melvin Gordon and and Austin Eckler both being productive under their new offensive coordinator Shane Steele. Keenan Allen's really kind of hurting them. Over his last six games, he's averaging just four receptions and basically 40 yards per game, and he hasn't scored a touchdown in those six games. I mean, that's not even wide receiver three production over, over those six games. The good news is here, he's going up against the secondary in the Raiders that's given up 100-plus yards to four different receivers over the last three games. Uh, the Raiders had just traded Gary on Conley. They activated rookie cornerback Isaiah Johnson off of IR this week, and he's probably going to play. However, I think this is a get-well spot for Keenan Allen. This is, this is one where I think Keenan Allen, if he's going to have a big game, it really needs to come in this game. I would look for Keenan Allen and Phillip Rivers to reestablish a connection that over the first month of the season looked like it was going to be a really, really good fantasy season, top three or four type of fantasy season at the wide receiver position. Recently, we haven't even seen anything close to that, but I think this is a Keenan Allen game. I would expect Keenan Allen to get well against this Raider secondary. Okay, I actually got to tell you, I know you know we've been down on him. I thought Melvin Gordon looked better, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, and I don't know what it was. Uh, do you have any take on that, Ross, like what, what it was that – did he hear people talking? Did he just need to get his feet under him? Because I remember early in the season we had similar concerns about Leonard Fournette, and he and he uh, 
in that big game against Denver uh, a, a month or so back really kind of exploded past those criticisms. Did you see anything different from him, or did you just see more explosiveness? I thought he was more explosive. I, I thought he showed a little bit more juice, yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I think he and Eckler are both on the RB2 radar. They just kind of suck from each other right now, which is which is the problem. Um, I would like to see Eckler get a little bit more going in the passing game. Uh, that that That's really gone down in recent weeks. Uh, at least at least uh, not a couple weeks ago when he was doing it in, um, in, in garbage time. I'd like to see him more consistent there. But looks like Sh- Shane Steichen at least had an idea of what to do. Uh, the one thing I need to point out, two more guys who are worth talking about for the Chargers. Hunter Henry has been basically the number two tight end since returning from injury he is locked into your lineups uh the Raiders have allowed at least 50 yards receiving and or a touchdown in uh to tight ends in all but two games this year also Mike Williams I saw a second gear from him last week on that catch down the sidelines that I I really have never seen from him before I, I didn't even think he had that gear and he's been their downfield threat. His A dot average depth of target is up and over 15 yards. He's in the top 10 in the NFL in that category. So he and he is a wide receiver three. This is really a stardom off spot for the Chargers, in my opinion. Um, anybody else for the Chargers before we move on to the Raiders that that we need to note? Nope, uh, the Chargers, they're, they're kind of narrow right now. you got the two receivers, the tight end, the two backs, and the quarterback. And, and Rivers isn't a great fantasy quarterback, but in a spot like this, he is. Raiders. Josh Jacobs continues to deliver. Oh, yes, he Uh, does. What do you got for me on these guys? Uh, 120-plus rushing yards in three of his last four games for Josh Jacobs. Um, He's... He's just a, a stardom type of guy. The char- Now, the Chargers held the Packers' run game really down last week, but it was kind of a weird game. The Packers never really showed up. I think it was just a stink uh, a stinker for the Packers. So I would keep going with Josh Jacobs. Tyrell Williams, you start him as a wide receiver three. He was quiet last week. That's unfortunate, but he's really their only downfield threat at the wide receiver position. A um, couple of Quiet weeks in a row for Darren Waller, the tight end. Just two targets last week after seeing seven-plus in six of his first seven games. That was a disappointment for Darren Waller. And the reason is because Foster Moreau, the rookie tight end, has been getting a couple more targets. And it's it's kind of like the Goddard-Ertz relationship on the lesser end where you're never really comfortable starting Moreau, but when he gets targets, it just kind of hurts Waller. So right now, I'm viewing Tyrell Williams as a wide receiver three. Darren Waller, you have to start. I mean, I think last week was just a down game. Josh Jacobs is a top 10 fantasy running back right now. And the two guys that I think you can consider, Derek Carr is playing really good football right now. And he's one of those guys, I think, when you watch him and you see that he's playing with confidence, it's just palpable. You can you can see that, that he's feeling comfortable right now. Uh, he's averaging 7.9 yards per attempt. He's completing 71% of his passes. He basically has career highs across the board right now. I don't think people have been talking about how well Derek Carr is playing. Uh, that being said, this is not a great, matchup the Chargers are doing very well defensively and they just limited Aaron Rodgers to 161 yards and a touchdown so not a great matchup for Derek Carr and by extension not a great matchup for Hunter Renfro who's come through the last couple weeks with 10 catches and two touchdowns on 11 targets but against Desmond King this week uh, whose pro football focus has as one of their top slot defenders not really a great matchup yeah I think you're right about that Um, anybody else on the Raiders we need to touch on Nah, that just about covers it. I mean, they're a, they're a pretty narrow fantasy team, Ross. They're they're they got the one tight end, basically now the two receivers, Derek Carr, and then of course Josh Jacobs. 
All right, let's go. I like the, I like narrow fantasy teams, by the way. So do I. I really So much do. better. Uh, um, so much easier to figure out. Makes my job easy. All right, so now we got the Sunday 1 o'clock games. Ravens at the Bengals. Ravens an interesting fantasy team these days. Uh, you want to talk about narrow fantasy teams? Here's one of them. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Mark Ingram. It's Marquise Brown when he has a solid matchup, and it's Mark Andrews, and that's about it. And now even Mark Andrews, he comes back, uh, he comes out this week against the Patriots in a win for the Ravens, catches just two passes, and plays fewer snaps than both Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. So that was a tough matchup or a tough draw there because I thought he was going to be the guy that they would use in the passing game. Uh, the good news here for for everybody else is it's a great matchup. The Cincinnati Bengals secondary has been banged up. Uh, who knows if they'll get healthier coming off the bye. But this is a game with the Ravens as 10-plus point favorites they should control. Ergo, this is a run game type of matchup for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram. Full systems go. Marquise Brown, he's got a better matchup because last week got Stephon Gilmore, made a couple of catches, didn't really get it done for, for fantasy. Full systems go in this one for Marquise Brown. The one guy that I need to point out, if you're dying, and look, this is a this is a week with six teams on by. You have some really good running backs on by. You have the two Patriots backs on by. You got the two Eagles backs on by. You have the two Texans backs on by, uh, among others. With the Ravens expected to control this game, I wouldn't be shocked to see Gus Edwards get 10-plus carries in this game. Look, he's not somebody you're ever going to be excited to play, but if you are desperate this week, you look at a team that's a heavy favorite like Baltimore against a lifeless Bengals team starting a rookie quarterback, I really want to to focus on that run game. And I, while I think Mark Ingram is going to be a top-10 running back this week, Gus Edwards is somebody you can plug in as a flex play in a week where – you're going to have a lot of guys on by, and you're looking off at the waiver wire. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. What about um, what about for the Bengals? Joe, Joe Mixon's getting frustrated, getting very frustrated. He should, Joe. He should get frustrated. Uh, this is a Raven defense that made life a living hell for Tom Brady on Sunday night. Not the defense I'd want to want Ryan Finley to be facing. Um, we, we said earlier this year that the Ravens were having some big-time problems in the secondary. Well, now they're healthy. Jimmy Smith is back. Obviously, Marlon Humphrey can move around. They get Marcus Peters. Brandon Carr's there. So now, all of a sudden, they're healthy in the secondary. They're generating interior pressure. This is a really tough matchup for Ryan Finley. Uh, Joe Mixon, he's an RB3 this week. I'm not really feeling good about that. Uh, hopefully, he gets it done in the passing game. And now we have to see about A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. You probably have to suck it up with Tyler Boyd and just kind of play him. Although I think Marlon Humphrey is going to be shadowing him into the slot. Uh, we'll see about A.J. Green, but I don't feel good about anybody else on this team. I want to see Ryan Finley in action before uh, before I really throw any sort of trust into the Cincinnati team. That That basically is in evaluation mode right now. Got it. So we're just staying away from everybody else? Uh, Tyler Boyd, maybe I'll take a shot on Green. With six teams on by, I think Joe Mixon probably is going to have to be in your lineup. But it, you have to understand, this is a really bad matchup for, for Cincinnati and their rookie quarterback. Okay, let's go Buffalo Bills at the Cleveland Browns. Another sort of interesting matchup. We can start with the Bills. Uh, Devin Singletary's the guy. 
And he played, uh, he's seen 67% of the snaps over the last two weeks. He's almost exclusively their passing down back. And that's what we look for. We look for those calorie-rich fantasy touches. And Devin Singletary's getting them. He gives this Bills backfield just a little bit of explosiveness that Frank Gore does not. Actually, I'd argue it's a lot of bit of explosiveness that Frank Gore doesn't. He's been great in the screen game. Scored on a screen against Philadelphia two weeks ago. Got a big gain on a screen last week. He's also leading the league in 6.7 yards per carry. And he's just a half fantasy point behind Gore in PPR, despite having less than half Frank Gore's touches. Devin Singletary, to me, has the profile of a league winner. And when when you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, the run game and passes to the running back are going to be so important because of Allen's inconsistencies. But Allen's athleticism also opens things up for that for that run game. So Devin Singletary, to me, he has the profile of a league winner. And this Cleveland Brown defense, I mean, this Cleveland Browns team right now is just lifeless. So a Devin Singletary, high-end RB2 this week. John Brown, he's a wide receiver three, and I think you can consider Josh Allen as a lower-end quarterback one this week. That's about it for this Buffalo Bills team, another one of those narrow fantasy teams we were talking about. Okay, then on the other side, the Browns, man. I mean, Nick Chubb's a real positive. Yeah, he's a positive, but guess what? They get Kareem Hunt back this week. And how much faith, Ross, do you have in this coaching staff with this lifeless offense successfully integrating Kareem Hunt into this offense without hurting Nick Chubb because I have no faith in that whatsoever. None. Uh, not much. Yeah, not exactly. much. Exactly. And it's it's brutal. And look, they've, they've been getting Dontrell Hilliard the ball on passing downs. Does that become Kareem Hunt's role? Does Kareem Hunt have more than a 50-50 split with Nick Chubb? I'm not really sure. But against this Bills defense, you have to downgrade Nick Chubb to a low-end RB1 this week because I just don't know if they're going to try to force-feed Kareem Hunt into this offense, and that's a problem. The other bad news, Odell Beckham, yet again, he was getting frustrated last week. I think late in that game against Denver, uh, down the sidelines, I think it was either a third or fourth down at the end of the game, he believed he had beaten Chris Harris for the game-winning touchdown, and Mayfield never even looked at him. So Odell Beckham's getting frustrated. Unfortunately, he's got another brutal matchup. He gets Tredavious White this week. Tredavious White's going to shadow Odell Beckham. So Odell Beckham, yet again, on the wide receiver two radar, and that's in a week where we have six teams on by. So really not a great week for Odell Beckham. I expect Mayfield to throw the ball to Jarvis Landry in this one. I don't know what to expect from the backfield. I'm I'm not playing Kareem Hunt yet. I want to see what his role is. Nick Chubb, low-end RB1, and there is no way I'm considering Baker Mayfield. He is playing bad football, and he's dressing like a bum on top of that. <laughs> what what was that, by the way? Did you see uh, there was a Twitter thread that apparently he shaved like three different times during the day? Like he came in with a full beard, warmed up with a Fu Manchu, and then after the game had the, had the pardon my French, the porn stash going on. I, I don't, I'm not really sure. Uh, and the the hair was kind of flip floppy, and my, my hair is unruly. So don't get me wrong. I I, I can't I can't uh, knock him for that too much. But it was an interesting style flex in a game where they lost to a journeyman quarterback who had never taken a snap before. Very uh, uh, Baker needs an intervention right now, Ross. Yeah, that is that's that's like bizarre to me um, at this point. I. Like to have to shave multiple times, like what are these guys focused on? 
Like, what, like, what, what, what are they doing? He's trying um, to change the karma or the juju, I guess. And uh, hey, whatever works for you right now, because the the offense as it's being called is not working for him. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go. Lions and Bears. Kind of a shame. Oh my, Matthew. Sta- yeah, Lions and Bears. Oh my, it's kind of a shame that Matthew Stafford's playing this well, and yet the Lions still aren't. Uh, you know, still aren't really winning games. Yeah, and here's the funny part. You would think Daryl Bevel, who comes from that background with Seattle, oh, this is going to be a run first. This is why we all love Carryon Johnson. Um, they have not figured out the backfield. Now, the good news is they managed to uh, f- simplify things in the backfield. It was basically a 60-40 split last week with Ty Johnson getting the early downs and J.D. McKissick getting the passing downs. And McKissick is an intriguing guy who can who can do creative things. He plays almost a hybrid running back wide receiver role. But you really don't feel good about either one of those two guys at this point. Matthew Stafford, though, you mentioned it. He's kind of having a career year. And this is a downfield passing attack right now. He's averaging basically four yards more per attempt through the air than he did last year. And he's he's just attacking down the field. Kenny Galladay is second in average depth of target in the NFL behind only Tyreek Hill. So this is a downfield passing attack. And this isn't a bear defense that really scares me all that much anymore. Now, they didn't give up anything down the field last week against Philadelphia. The problem is, with projecting that to this game, is Philadelphia doesn't have anybody who can get down the field. So the Lions do. I would expect the Lions to come out and run their offense. And what that offense is right now is a big chunk passing game offense Kenny Galladay is a wide receiver one this week. I think Marvin Jones continues to be on the wide receiver two radar. He was the most underpriced receiver on FanDuel last week. His price is going to go way up after, after that performance. So I'm I'm starting Stafford, I'm starting Galladay, and I'm starting Marvin Jones. The backs, Ty Johnson and McKissick. McKissick is probably the safer PPR guy. Johnson's going to get more carries. We'll see if they sign somebody this week. They had worked out Jay Ajayi. But this is not really a run game I want to meddle with, even though the Bears were really hurt on the ground last week by Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Um, Who else, Lions-wise, should we talk about? How come, by the way, every time Hawkinson catches a ball, he gets like blown up or hurt? Uh, it looks like- it's like Gronk syndrome at this point. Isn't it weird? It just like feels like some guys have like a magnet towards towards like getting hit in the head it's awful but Hawkinson is not somebody right now you can consider for fantasy um I'm I'm just I know look if you're if you're desperate the Bears got eaten alive by Zach Ertz last week um and they tried uh our our friend Fran Duffy actually had a had kind of a Twitter post about that the Bears had like eight different defenders who tried to who tried to guard Zach Ertz and he caught balls on all eight of them. Uh, So maybe they're going to have similar problems with Hawkinson, but he's just kind of more of a DFS deep flyer in this one. Uh, What about for the bears who I submit to you should have a long time ago and should now basically run like the similar offense to what the Ravens are running with Lamar Jackson. I think their best bet would be to treat Trubisky as like uh, Lamar Jackson light. Uh, very, very, very light. But Lamar Jackson light. I mean, he does have mobility, right? And, and that's the one thing that I think you could say is an above average trait for Trubisky. Because other than that, I don't see an above average trait right now. I see a bunch of below average traits. I see an offensive line that is not helping him. And I, I see somebody who's lost a lot of confidence. 
And my question to you is, now, the Eagles secondary has improved significantly since Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby came back. Fair enough. But if Allen Robinson is going to get six receiving yards against an Eagles secondary that had been hemorrhaging points to the wide receiver position, how can we trust him against anybody? That's my question to you, Ross, because, look, Allen Robinson's really the only guy I feel good about for fantasy for the Bears, with the exception of David Montgomery, and we'll get to him. How can I trust him going up against Darius Slay? Uh, I don't think he can, unfortunately. He's a wide... He's a wide receiver three, and my question now is, I, I mean, are they better with Chase Daniel? I think it's becoming evident that Mitchell Trubisky is not going to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears next year. Once the beat writers have to start asking the question, hey, is Mitch the quarterback? When the beat writers have to start observing coming out of halftime, oh, look, Trubisky's warming up, Chase Daniel isn't, that means it's over. It, even if Trubisky has not been benched yet, all those things mean it is over. So this offense is playing with no confidence. I kind of agree with you, and we st- we sort of saw it against Philly, but Philly has such a good run defense that it didn't really work. But two weeks ago, David Montgomery had 150 yards from scrimmage. Last week against Philly, uh, the Bears have two possessions inside the five. He scores on both of them. David Montgomery has become kind of the focal point of this offense. And right now I have him in the mid to high range RB2 range because I, I really just don't think – I think the whole passing offense has regressed significantly, whether that's on Trubisky, whether it's on Nagy, whether it's on the offensive line, the receivers. It, everybody shares some blame here. But what's becoming evident is the pass game is not very good. So Allen Robinson, low-end wide receiver two. David Montgomery, high-end to mid-range RB2. Forget about everybody else because this offense is a mess right now. Giants at the Jets. Yikes. The Francesca, at the Jets. Francesca special here, Ross. Yeah. He doesn't have to prepare all week. He could just talk about this one. Um, which quarterback is going to avoid turning the ball over more? And that's a fair question. Daniel Jones had three. Now, I think Daniel Jones is playing with more confidence right now than Sam Darnold is, but he's still turning the ball over. Darnold threw one of the single worst interceptions you'll see all year um, uh, in that goal line series against the Dolphins last week. It's really, really hard to trust either one of these quarterbacks to play a nice, clean game right now. So my focus here is what can we do with these defenses? And frankly, both of them are exploitable. We saw on Monday night. The Giants secondary, uh, this this might be right now, for my money, the worst secondary in football. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup just running free. You would think Robbie Anderson, even though he couldn't do it against Miami, could potentially get it done against uh, this Giants secondary. The bad news is the Giants were actually pressuring Dak Prescott. They hit him a couple of times. And if that happens to Sam Darnold, is he going to be, as he said on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago, seeing ghosts again? So there's risk involved here. But I do at least believe Darnold's going to have opportunities to throw the ball to Robbie Anderson. And he's going to check it down, throw to the intermediate area, to both Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder. I feel safest about Crowder of this group. It was nice to see Le'Veon Bell last week actually get eight eight catches and nine targets. Um, It it doesn't appear that the knee is serious right now, but you do want to monitor that with Bell. And one more guy that I want to talk about for the Jets, are they going to get Chris Herndon back? He was active uh, last week, but he didn't play. It seemed like he, he was doubtful coming in. The Jets have so many injuries that they just activated him because he had a chance to go. Will they get him back? Because the Giants gave up a ton of production last week 
uh, or Monday night to Jason Witten and Blake Jarwin. So Chris Herndon is somebody, if he's available to go, might have some DFS, some fantasy value this week, uh, as, as we said, with a lot of heavy buys this week. Um, what about on the other side with the Giants? Well, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Daniel Jones is streamable, but you have to keep an eye on the status of his receivers. Uh, Evan Ingram left, uh, was in and out Monday night with a foot problem. There seems to be a chance he doesn't go. Uh, if he doesn't go, and remember, it's a short week, then I guess Rhett Ellison becomes DFS viable, even though uh, I'm not really fond of him. Saquon Barkley, you play each and every week. And Sterling Shepard, monitor that. But I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see him again this year as he's in concussion protocol again. And if Sterling Shepard doesn't go, A, we know Golden Tate's going to get targets. It happened last week. He made a great catch, the one-handed catch uh, down at the goal line uh, against the Cowboys on Monday night. And uh, they're going down the field quite a bit to Darius Slayton, although Slayton on uh, the interception at the end of the first half for Daniel Jones, he pulled what I would call the Aguilar, where he just didn't look for the ball and didn't contest the catch, and it became uh, an uh, an easier interception than it should have been for Xavier Woods. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, did you see me almost get taken out by Daniel I Jones did. on the sideline? I did. I was line? literally just about to bring that up. Ross, you got some moves, man. You got you got more lateral agility than I think people give you credit for. Well, Dude. so uh, describe that scene because I wanna I wanna I wanna relish in it. Well, so um, you know I'm always paying attention, and I I don't really take any chances when they get near the sideline because like I know that they get to you faster than you think they're gonna. Like, there's always these people on the sideline that are like, "Laddie, daddy, oh no, I better get out of the way." <laughs> yeah, it's too low. It's too late, dude. You're dead. <laughs> like you're going down. So I always start to back up when they even get near me. But Daniel Jones was like, he had just started throttling down and yeah. was running out of bounds. And so none of us were expecting. I think it was Xavier Woods to push him. Right. It was but I was backing up a little bit, and then when I saw Xavier Woods push him, and then I like turned and started to like run, and I got hit in the leg by Daniel Jones. But I I was already like high stepping my way out of there, and I just kind of, you know, it's, it's contact balance is what it is, Joe. It, it's uh, it's contact balance to stay on my feet. Then I helped Daniel Jones get up. Then I helped the parabolic Mike dude that got destroyed. He like did like a 360 flip and got crushed. I helped that dude. And then there was a fight because all the Giants linemen saw was Daniel Jones go flying into the parabolic Mike guy. So they were like, that's BS. So they came over. And I tried to get as close to the fight as I could just because I missed it. And like I wanted to be in there and push somebody. But I didn't have a helmet on. Shoulder pads. So there's like a picture I posted on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL, of me just like two feet from the fight, just like smiling, grinning ear to ear. That was the the one thing I noticed above all. I was like, first and foremost, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, that Mike guy got destroyed. I was like, wait a minute, that's Ross back there. And I knew we, we were going to have a story about it. My, my The thing that that I noticed above all, and it's, it's funny you pointed out, was the smile. Because I, as soon as you you gathered yourself, you wanted to get into, inside the fracas. And uh, you're an old offensive lineman. When somebody messes with your quarterback, you got to have his back. Yeah, it was awesome. I just like I like seeing the guys like swear at each other and say and say stuff and get all pissed. It was fun. Is Daniel I, I Jones like bigger like than like you might think? Yeah, he's he's decent sized. Yeah, he's um, he like six four, six five. Yeah, I think he's like six four, two twenty. He's he's a good size. Tell you what, I talked to a couple members of the Giants, and uh, 
one called him the real deal. The other one said he's awesome. He's a pleasure to work with. Like they all, um, you know, he's turning the ball over too much, but they all really, really like him. They're well, really the thing excited about turning about the ball over where I, I've become like turnovers are obviously bad, right? But you want your quarterback to make tight window throws. You want him to trust his receivers to come up with the ball. And at some point, and some quarterbacks really toe this line. I think Jameis Winston is the one most people think of where sometimes the aggressiveness teeters into stupidity. But at the stage of the career Daniel Jones is in, you you live with that. You accept it. And you you accept a guy who's playing with confidence. And And I see Daniel Jones, and to get back to come full circle and talk about this matchup, right now I see Daniel Jones playing with more confidence than I see Sam Darnold playing with. Yeah, he doesn't seem real phased by things. Like even when he does turn it over, um, I think he's going to be good. He actually reminds me, other than him being athletic, a lot of what he's doing reminds me of Eli, just the way he carries yeah. himself. And he'll make good throws that you're impressed by, but then also turn it over. Um, he reminds me a lot of Eli in that regard, except I think his ball placement's better, and he's obviously a, a much, much better athlete. Um are we? I think we. Are, what else on the Giants? We talked about. Yeah, we talked about everybody, but I, I think I think the highlight for people is going to be your story. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. it was fun. It was fun to get in the action. A bunch of people were hitting me up on Twitter and text messages. People were like, dude, don't don't tear your Achilles down there. What about the Chiefs and the Titans? Once again, we record this Tuesday afternoon, so it's three p.m. right now, Tuesday afternoon. We don't know who will be the quarterback for the. Kansas City Chiefs at this time well I will say this um, there is an opening line out there there is a line uh, for this game and the line would suggest that they expect Patrick Mahomes to play now I don't know if you saw this uh, Ross last week when uh, the Chiefs and Harrison Bucker hit the game-winning field goal but Mahomes was like going nuts and he's running onto the field so what he had a look to me of was he looked like somebody who if the game was like the divisional round, he was playing in that game. He looked like it was just somebody, hey, Matt Moore done a nice job caretaking the offense, but if this was a must-win game, he would have been out there. And that's kind of how I feel about it. I feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to go, and I think that because uh, people expect him to play, Kansas City is currently lined as a four-point favorite on the road. I would think Patrick Mahomes is going to play in this game and it unlocks basically everybody else in this offense. Um, with, now look with Matt Moore, Tyree kill and, and Travis Kelsey were fine. Matt Moore did miss Travis Kelsey on a touchdown on, on a post pattern. He threw it behind him. Uh, but Matt Moore did a fine job, but we saw Sammy Watkins get 10 targets. So he is now in the wide receiver two and three range with Patrick Mahomes. Tyree kill is, is arguably the top, the top receiver in fantasy football right now. Travis Kelsey, the top tight end in fantasy football. And the one thing you need to point out, Damian Williams has been their most effective back the last couple of weeks. Now, I know most of his production last week, week number nine, came on the 91-yard touchdown run. But LaShawn McCoy was in and out of the lineup. He was on the bike. I think he only played like 10% of the snaps. Damian Williams played the overwhelming percentage of the snaps for the Chiefs. And unfortunately, if you drafted him, you haven't gotten anywhere near the production you were hoping for, but I do think if, if maybe you're you're around 500, you're four and five, you're five and four, maybe somebody dropped Damian Williams when he got hurt and it looked like McCoy was going to take over the backfield. 
I believe that the Chiefs have have finally seen enough to make Damian Williams maybe not their bell cow back, but at the very least their lead back. His explosiveness is something that they don't have from McCoy or Darrell Williams. And when he's in there, they have legitimate explosiveness at every single position. I think he's the best back for them going forward. Interesting. I can see that. Um, what about you know some of the other positions for the Chiefs? Um, the receivers, I'm still only playing Hill and Watkins. Um, now, the last couple of weeks with Matt Moore, the secondary guys, Robinson, Hardman, really haven't been getting the ball thrown their way. Um, but I do want to see what the rotation is like when, when Mahomes comes back. Hill and Watkins are both guys who are probably in your lineups right now, uh, given six teams are on by this week, and I expect Mahomes to be back. On the other side, you've got the Titans. Uh, they're just kind of blah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's Derek Derrick Henry, Henry had that screen. And, yeah. And nobody else. They got Deion Lewis involved more, and then he lost a fumble. Uh, Jonu Smith did not get it done for people. He did see five targets, but he didn't get it done for people. A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, uh, if, if you can tell me which one of these guys I should play any given week uh, and who uh, to rank higher, maybe you should be doing this podcast because I don't know. Uh, these guys are the quintessential wide receiver fours for fantasy. They're guys you don't want to play, but you plug them in when you have somebody on by, when, when somebody's hurt, and you just pray that he's the guy that gets the targets in the red zone or gets the more targets any given week. Um, those guys are wide receiver fours. It's basically Derrick Henry or bust for the Titans. Unfortunately, while they are at home and Derrick Henry's home road splits are pretty, pretty, uh, drastic. They are underdogs, which is not good news for Derrick Henry. However, they get him involved in the screen game. He scored two touchdowns. It's Derrick Henry really, or bust for the Titans. The other guys, Jonu Smith, AJ Brown, Corey Davis. These are really only guys I want to be playing if I'm in a desperation spot. Okay, let's then move on to the Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can I say one more thing, Ross, about the Titans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Not a bad week to stream Ryan Tannehill. I know that there's going to be six guys on by, um, uh, including Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson's on by this week. Um, uh, obviously, Minshew, you're not really worried about him. You're not worried about the other three teams who are on by. However, with this game lined at 48 and a half point. Uh, 48 and a half uh, points, uh, total points. And with the Titans as underdogs, I actually think this is a pretty good week for Ryan Tannehill for DFS. And if you play Tannehill, you, you get all the production. You don't have to worry about which of these receivers produces. Let's get to the next game, which is Cardinals Bucks. We had an Andy Isabella sighting. Yeah, uh, how about it? An 88-yard touchdown. Unfortunately, he didn't play all that many snaps. As a matter of fact, uh, I could look up the exact number. It wasn't a ton. Uh, Isabella played, let's see here, I think it was under 20% of the snaps. It was officially, oh, just over 20, 20%, 23%, but it was his only target. Um, it was just a total bust. Uh, so Andy Isabella, yay, 88-yard touchdown. Uh, have fun with that. Uh, the good news is for this game, it is the highest lined total of the week at 52 and a half points. Uh, Tampa Bay is a five point favorite at home here. You would think that means that the Cardinals are going to throw the ball. Kyler Murray had the two touchdown passes, but outside of the 88 yarder to Isabella, um, he had only 153 yards on his other 23 attempts against a admittedly 
really nasty 49er defense. Given that, I thought Murray actually handled himself well. And Kenyon Drake played really well in the stead of David Johnson and Chase Edmonds. Looks like David Johnson's going to have a chance to go. Before we can really parse out this running back situation, uh, we really want to see what David Johnson's availability is going to be. So that's something to, to come back to a little bit later in the week. Because if he doesn't go, Kenyon Drake's a high-end RB2, RB1 type of guy. If he does go, it might be more David Johnson's in the RB2 range and Drake's an RB3 flex type of guy. Uh, the one thing that was a big disappointment last week for, for Arizona is Christian Kirk had just eight yards on five targets. I would think that goes up this week against a really beatable Buccaneer secondary. Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk, I think these guys are going to be fun DFS plays in this game with the Cardinals projected to play from behind. And they haven't really unlocked Larry Fitzgerald of late. He had just four catches for 38 yards, but he's somebody on the cheaper end for DFS that you can consider as well. Um, what about for the Buccaneers? Did we, do, uh, did we do running backs? Anything else to talk about in the Cardinals? No, no, it's it's Fitz, it's Kirk, it's Murray, and then we have to wait a little bit uh, later in the week to figure out what's going on with David Johnson and Kenyon Drake. Right. Okay, and then um, for the Buccaneers, man, they, they put up points, Joe. I'll give them credit. They put up points. Yeah, they give up a ton of points, too, and that's why this game is lined as high as it is. Jameis Winston, you can start him this week. Uh, Mike Evans, you have no choice. You have to start him, though I do expect he'll see the shadow coverage uh, of Patrick Peterson. Chris Godwin, I, I, you would think is, this is a bounce-back spot for him. So he's both of those guys are going to be in our top 12 at wide receiver. They have to be each and every week. The, the bad news is here at the tight end position, Cameron Brait came in last week with a rib injury and played through it. Unfortunately, he only played 11% of the snaps because uh, he obviously wasn't feeling great and didn't get a target. That hurt a lot of people. And if O.J. Howard's going to be back this week, I don't know how you trust any of these tight ends except for the fact that this is the matchup. This is the matchup for tight ends. So you don't trust them. But O.J. Howard, who's been one of the single most frustrating players in all of fantasy, you might have to give him a shot in DFS this week against the Cardinals, especially if Brait's going to be banged up. So keep an eye on that injury status. And the one other guy that you can discuss, Bruce Arians said this week, Ronald Jones has earned more touches. He's been their best back, and I don't think he's been spectacular or anything like that. But maybe, just maybe, what he did last week against the Seahawks, putting up 82 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown on 20 touches, maybe that's what he's going to need to really leap past Peyton Barber and Dario Gunbawale. The Buccaneers are five-point favorites at home here. So Ronald Jones could be in line for 15 to 20 carries, and he could be an under-owned, underplayed DFS option in this game. I have not been a Ronald Jones fan all year. To this point, I haven't really been hurt by that. This could be the time that they start unlocking him, though, as we head into Week Ten and down the fantasy playoff stretch. Um, I think that we, I think that covered everything for the Bucks, correct? It did. Yes. All right, we'll wrap up with a couple of NFC South teams coming off of buys. The Falcons moved Raheem Morris, their wide receiver coach, to defense. Joe, that changes everything. I'm pretty certain they're <laughs> going to go undefeated the rest of the year. And win the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, they could win out and still not make the playoffs. Unfortunately for the Falcons, uh, this is uh, 
Talk about the proverbial rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic with that one. Uh, the Falcons are an utter abomination right now, but we do know they are pretty darn good for fantasy. So I'm looking at them and saying, start them all uh, against the New Orleans Saints. It is a good defense, but with Matt Ryan expected back, Julio Jones is in my lineup. He is going to get Marshawn Lattimore. That doesn't. Uh, that that's not exactly somebody I want to play in DFS. But you have to start him for fantasy. Uh, Calvin Ridley, you got to start him. Austin Hooper, especially. I think you just kind of suck it up and say, while I don't think this is a great DFS spot, I do need to play these guys in my season long leagues because th- they put up numbers each and every week because they're always playing from behind. On the other side, Saints coming off the bye and how well Drew Brees played before. Awesome. Yeah. What do you got? Oh, I, I was glad to see him now. I, I I personally wouldn't have made the decision to play him, but I'm glad they did because I saw that he's playing at a super high level, even coming off the injury. He has yet another week to get reintegrated. Um, and the good news is here for the Saints, they're one of those narrow fantasy teams. Who can you trust right now outside of Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Drew Brees. There's only two more ancillary players. And this is, by the way, this is a really bad Falcon defense. So I'm starting all of those guys and I'm starting them all without, with zero hesitation. And they're also going to be the the most popular DFS plays of the week because uh, the saints are the highest projected team total of the week at 32 points. So that's three and a half points more than Tampa Bay. So this is going to be the most popular DFS stack of the week. But the two guys that I think we need to point out, If Kamara is back, and he's expected to be back off the bye, what kind of role does Latavius Murray have? And with six teams on bye, I wouldn't be shocked if Latavius Murray pays off as a flex type of play. The Saints are 10-point favorites in this game, so they're going to be playing with a big-time lead, uh, projected to at least. So they're going to be playing with a lead. Could Latavius Murray get 10 to 15 touches? I think that's in play. And will Jared Cook, who is starting to come alive a little bit with Teddy Bridgewater, Will he get uh, some targets from Drew Brees? We know what's happened at the tight end position for fantasy. He's expected to come off uh, of injury and play after the bye. He's an ancillary piece of this offense that I have some interest in against this really bad Atlanta defense. Um, for the uh, – we did Atlanta. We did New Orleans. And you you have no concerns about Kamara's health in this game. Well, the only the, – I would play him if he goes, but I actually think Latavius Murray is going to be ranked higher than usual because he played really well in Kamara's stead. And I wonder if, A, they're going to limit Kamara coming off the injury a little bit at the end of this game. And because the Saints are double-digit favorites in this game, I wonder if Latavius Murray will be functioning as their closer. So if, if, if Kamara plays, maybe you, you shy away from DFS at least for cash games. He's more of a GPP guy because we don't know what his health is going to be. But in season long, you have six teams on by. A lot of good running backs are on by. Fournette's on by. The two Denver guys are on by. The two Philly guys are on by. The two Houston guys are on by. For DFS uh, and for season long, Latavius Murray might be an interesting lower end option because I wonder if he's going to function as their closer at the end of this game. Love it, Joe. Already fired up about episode two. You and I will dive right into it, and then we will, as always, post it to the podcast apps right after midnight so it doesn't mess with your apps. By the way, uh, it's November, which means you're going to get inundated with all kinds of different 
holiday gift ideas. Let me just tell you what the deal is. Myfrontpagestory.com. The best gift your wife, your mom, anybody could ever get. Myfrontpagestory.com. They actually have professional writers that talk to you for 10 minutes about written about and then they write it send it to you framed looks amazing got one for my mom she loved it got one for my wife's grandma loved it myfrontpagestory.com i love today's college draft podcast with matt waldman as well as a power rankings tuesday where i talk about why i should have tried to tackle that black cat last night on the sideline as well as my near-death experience when Daniel Jones tried to take me out, but I was just too quick, too smooth, and too athletic. Other than that, I'm stuffed. Just a little bit of room for the late game in Sunday night, Monday night dessert. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.